Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message from our guest minister. Thanks for tuning in today. I have a verse for you that has nothing to do with my message. But it is a verse God told me to give you this morning. And you know, when I come to your church, uh, I don't, I can be a very polished Bible teacher. I, you know, I was trained to be a theologian. And uh, I'm very, I can be very homiletical in my delivery. But when I come here, I happen to know the teaching priests that you have. Amen. And I don't feel ever compelled of God that you are not getting enough word. Now, I do some places where I go. But when I come here, I feel like I can be uh, more the prophet of God. We'll just talk to you like a dad or a grandpa. It's your pastor's responsibility to make a disciple out of you. But it's not mine. Uh, you know, he they have a hard task. I mean, look... When you go home today, look in the mirror and say, would I want to be my own pastor? <laughs> as sassy as I am, and half the time I want to steal the tithe and borrow the offering, and I'm holding a grudge against so-and-so, and I want to punch that other guy in the nose. And every time I look in the mirror, I say, I would never want to be my own pastor. That guy has his work cut out for him, praise the Lord. This verse I want to give you, um, actually, I'm going to give you two verses. One's in the book of Thessalonians. If you turn there, I want you to see them. So just turn there a minute. And uh, I want to obey God and deliver this to you. 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. Just turn there, or if you're electronic, you know, punch it in your device. 2 Thessalonians. But it's important when you come to church, you know, to look at the verses and not just hear them. Hearing, of course, is powerful. All right? I'm not going to preach from it, so I'm not reading the whole text. I'm going to give you a verse and a homework assignment for you to go chase it down. Two Thessalonians. Maybe I should say second, because I understand they drilled Donald Trump for saying two Corinthians. And I guess he didn't know his Bible. I, thought, I told Vicky, I said, I'm, whole, I'm horribly disqualified. I've been saying second Corinthians since the first day I preached. Anyhow, you must have missed that news blast. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. For this cause... What cause? Look at verse 10. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness. Let me, let me modernize that phrase. Because of unrighteous deception. Unrighteous deception. For this cause, verse 11, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now listen to me. What you're witnessing even in America these people are delusionary. Yeah. And they'll fight you to the grave. And it isn't just about certain things. I was so impressed with the presentation today because I'm an American to the core of my being. I'm a patriot. Amen. And uh, I'm a war veteran. I'm a former Marine uh, leader, a combat Marine leader. I'm a former Marine instructor, uh, etc. And I was so impressed. I do it in our church all the time. But I go to many churches. You, you don't even see a flag, let alone any attention to it. Uh, it, it. Now they're trying to take crosses off from veterans' graves. Yeah. Who is? Find me a Republican 
or an independent anybody that wants to do that. It's the other people. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, when I look at all this, take the flag down, you know, uh, take, the, take the crosses off from graves, whoever's doing this must have never been shot at. Right. Right. They must have never carried a friend out with part of his parts in a bag, yelling and screaming. He must have never ran night missions. When you come back a day or three later, and you don't know if it's your blood all over you or your friends. He must have never went somewhere else to fight so the war didn't come here in our backyard. You ever been in a war zone? A war zone is nasty, my friend. A war zone, every demon there is, I believe, is in a combat zone. Now, I've been to the combat zone as a fighting man. I've been to the combat zone with a rifle in my hand, and I've been to the combat zone with a Bible in my hand many times. I cannot imagine, I just can't imagine this coming to America, and your ranch is overrun by foreign troops or rebellious Americans, and they rape your daughters, because that's what happens in the combat zone. And they kidnap them and turn them into prostitutes. And they beat your son half to death until he fights against the cause, or he dies in front of you. Or they just burn your house down. Or because you won't submit, they bomb your whole little part of your town, your house, and you lose everything in 60 minutes. I can't imagine that. I've been there. I just... That's why I so respect all of you that have fought on foreign soil. Because regardless of what they say the cause was, you kept the fight out of my ranch Amen. and away from my babies Amen. by fighting in foreign land. Don't you, don't you be one of those that fall for the delusion. You are not delusionary. You will not believe the lie. You are the spirit of truth. You are born of the spirit of truth. You bear the truth. And you keep your nose in the truth. And you will not be tricked and fooled by all these lying modernists that want to modernize everything. You know, you go out here and look. Just drive around town. There's trees that have been growing in this city for generations, way before you came. And if they're not hindered, they'll still be growing after you and I go. But go and look at a baby tree that someone just planted from the tree nursery. And it's about that tall. You know, there's no, there's no new science of how a tree grows. You put it in the dirt. You water it and feed it. You put the right stuff around its roots. You protect it when it's infant. And it grows. And if it's fruit bearing, you prune it. If you consider to have more fruit. There's no new way for a tree to grow. And in case you don't notice, most trees do not grow down. Now the roots do. They grow up. What are you saying, Doc? There's no new way to do this. The modernists want you to think there's a new way to serve God. You know? I watched the largest, fastest growing church in America. The young man wears a suit and tie every Sunday. The church down the road spent $50,000 on a company. How can we grow our church? Get rid of the ties. I said, well, I could have saved you the 50 grand. Ten miles down the road, the fastest growing largest church in America at the time, everybody dresses up. Don't stare at me. I don't care if you come in your jogging suit. Clean it, iron it, and say hallelujah. <laughs> That's not my point. 
I, I'm not the dress code guy around here. You can do what you want, do what you're told. Follow your leaders. That's not my point at all. My point is, if you get caught up in all this modernist stuff, pretty soon you'll think drinking's okay, right. drugging's okay, sex, sexual perversion is okay, lying and cheating is okay, claiming Christian but voting liberal is okay. How could you do that with a right mind? They kicked our God out in the last election. Yeah. Three votes yeah. on international TV. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Right. Amen. At least decide who you're going to be loyal to and don't get caught up in this lie and become delusionary and think things are okay when this says it's not. Yeah. Amen. Nathan, start the car and get that door open right there towards the airport. The natives are getting restless during my challenge this morning. Now for a lighter note, you can disagree with me, of course, we're not a cult. First Thessalonians chapter 5, the Lord told me to bring this verse to you this morning as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 12. If you're there, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. And we beseech you, brethren. Now, that would mean sister in to, you know, the, the church family. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. Okay, that could be all of us. And are over you in the Lord. Oh, oh. And are over you in the Lord. Now that, we just labeled that down to basically Pastor Mike and Vicki and maybe whoever they appoint uh, as elders in the church or the, whatever term you use here to watch over you. And admonish you. Now we're back to just Pastor Mike and Vicki. Because there's a lot of people that labor among us. There are different ones appointed over departments and such. But when you have all three of them, the one that labors among you, the one that is over you in the Lord and the one that admonishes you, that has the right to father and mother you, in other words, that is now boiled down to Pastor Mike and Vicki and nobody else. Verse 13, and look at this. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Huh? Do what? Esteem them very highly. Very highly in love. Now this didn't say exalt. Exalt and esteem are two total different things. Right. We only exalt the Lord Jesus Christ yeah. Yeah. and the bangs have made that clear. But this said to esteem them very highly in love. That's almost like you're going to have to love them extra. you got to show extra love to your pastors. Yeah. Now I believe the Lord wanted me to bring this verse to you because it's pastor appreciation. But I don't think we ought to just be appreciative and nice to pastor. <laughs> 30 days out of a month, right. out of a, or one day out of 30 days of a month, or for one month out of the year. Now, this verse doesn't say, now make sure you do this on Pastor Appreciation Day. <laughs> one month. Now, look at this. For their love's sake. Love them, for, excuse me, for their work's sake. What is their, the sake of their work? You are. Yeah. Right. The Lord didn't call them here to pastor chairs and chandeliers and doors. You're the sake. It's for your sake the Lord gave you a pastor. You're the, this said, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. The more you love them, the more you're going to get out of them. The less you love them and the less you understand them and the less you submit to them, the less you're going to get out of them. 
Now, I don't want to, I could preach on this. This one, honor is one of my very favorite topics. I've always said, if honor's in you, honor will come out of you. The, the less honor that's in you, the less honorable you will speak and live and, you know, whatever button we push, you know, that's what's going to come out. And this is talking about for your own sake. Now, there's a sister verse for this, and, and I can't go there. i got, I got to do something else in a minute. But the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, now, now I'm going to say something, and I don't want you to think I'm cussing. I don't cuss. I haven't said a foul word since I was water baptized in 1972, three. I haven't said a thought. So what I'm going to say is not a cuss word, okay? just want to get it clear, because some people think it's dirty. So I just want to, you know, that's, the Bible says to submit. <laughs> See why I preface that? Because, because the modernists submit to nobody but themselves. Right. And if that gets on you, that'll be you. But the Bible says in Hebrews, submit and obey. Well, there's that other word. Them that have the rule over you. Why? It says, because they watch over your soul yeah. of those that must give an account to Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, it also says, uh, because if you become a grief to them, that is unprofitable for you. Mm. Now, the rest of this verse said, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, so they can pastor you and be at peace among yourselves. There has never been a church split ever where the congregation has honor to esteem their pastors in love. Amen. There's always a love issue which bleeds out to be an indifference or a strife or a disagreement or something else that was hurtful. And so love overcomes these things. It, we're not robots. And so many times you might disagree. But there, I'll say it this way. There's never been a home that's ever you know, split where the children... And the wife understood the biblical order of the house. And the man walked with God instead of just being a ruthless ruler and claiming he's the husband. Whenever there was love, esteem to that degree, and things were in order, they lived at peace among themselves. But when things get out of order, peace goes. And when peace goes, relationship deteriorates. So it wasn't God saying, let's just always come in here and make a big deal out of the bangs. No. God was saying... You love them, and you show them extra love. Remember it said very highly in love. Not, not love, not highly in love, but very highly. Because that protects the environment here. Amen. That you can get the most out of your pastor and get the most out of what they bring to you. I've said this for a long time. You know, there is no spiritual warfare between you and your dentist <laughs> or your doctor or even the guy that sold you your car. Now, you might not like that dentist anymore, especially if he pulled the wrong tooth, you know, or your doctor removed the wrong leg or something, you know. You may have an issue, but, there's, but it's not a spiritual issue. But the minute you claim, my friend, that, that Pastor Mike Bang is your pastor, or if you're visiting today, whoever you're Pastor, the minute you claim I'm going to submit spiritually, and we're not a cult, so we're not going to tell you to color a car to drive and, you know, and all that stuff, but to submit spiritually. The minute you say it, the devil says, we'll see about that. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And the war is on because the last thing he wants you to be is a submitted person. Yep. Why? Because when you're submitted to the Bible, listen, all these years, even in my home church, I've never asked a human being to ever submit to me. If you'll submit to the scriptures, mm -hmm. I'll never have a problem with you. Mm -hmm. If you submit and do what this Bible says to do, your pastors will never have an issue with you. Besides that, they'll never have a need to correct you or rebuke you. It'll be a love feast in here. Our church services are supposed to be love feasts. Yeah. So if all of you, if all of you sassy little naughty sheep would start living biblically, we would be having a whole lot more fun in our church services. Elbow someone and say, "The Lord sent him here for you." Come on, do it. Turn around and say, "I wish you would listen to this man." Now. Here's the verse that I brought for you today that originally was going to be the heart of my message. But I don't mind obeying God like this and, and just exhorting you and loving on you for a while and trying to help you get the most out of God. Amen. Get the most out of your church and the most out of your pastor that you possibly can. Psalm 23. Do you know the 23rd Psalm? Even if you haven't memorized, go there, please. Because I want to pray over you here in just a few minutes to bring peace back, in, back into your life. The devil wants you agitated, just like he does me. He wants you annoyed. He wants you bothered. He wants you tribulated. He wants you concerned. He wants you fearful. And he really wants you at odds with somebody, and he doesn't care who that is. He just wants you all turned up all the time and living outside of peace. That's what the devil wants for you. Now, here in this wonderful psalm, are you, are you there? Yeah. If you're in Psalm 23, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, that doesn't mean you won't ever ask him for anything or have a desire. It means you won't be found wanted without a God and without someone to help you. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. I love that phrase. He maketh me. Yes. Yeah. He maketh me. If you submit to God, your flesh is going to throw a fit. <laughs> Amen. I mean, some of you, I love you. Listen, women, I love you. And some of you, this is the best you're going to be all week. 90 minutes in God's house. You can't cuss, you can't smoke, you can't drink. And even if you bite one another, we're going we're gonna to get you. You know, this is, like, this is like little Johnny. He's about this tall, and he comes in with mommy and daddy. And they're all holding hands. Papa bear, mama bear, boy bear. And they come up the steps and they, to the sanctuary. And little Johnny says, now, mommy, daddy, I'm dropping you off at the sanctuary. Now, I'm going to children's church. Now, when I come back, I want, on the way home, you're going to tell me what you learned from pastor. And I don't want to know about the, the score on the ball game or the weather report or the grocery list you made while the holy man opened the holy scriptures. I want to know what he taught you on the way home today. And mommy, daddy, no biting. <laughs> no biting. No biting. Amen. Amen. I told you. And he maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. The devil has not one plan, neither does any demon, to make your life still and peaceful. Not one. He will touch everything 
you get any one thing out of order and the demon will touch that and it'll be tribulation and troubled waters. And a lot of Christians, I, I don't pick on Christians so much, I love you, but a lot of Christians said, oh, I don't know what's going on, Pastor. Well, give me like five minutes and I'll probably tell you. There's some very simple answers. You know, Is there life or death in your mouth? What's your tithing record like? What's your church attendance like? I always think of this man, I love him. He's still my friend, and believe it or not, even, I mean, he's still with me in church. In fact, he's a leader in our church. But years ago, his kids grew up in our church, and he came to me one day and he said, Brother Barclay, uh, Pastor, uh, I just don't know what to do with my grown-up son. He, he barely comes to church. Now he's, you know, drinking a little beer. And, and, and I don't know. He loves God. And I just don't. I'm so disappointed in him. And uh, I just don't know what his problem is. And I stood there and I said, a few minutes listening, I said, I said, my brother, listen, I, I can't stand here and have you misrepresent. I, I'm too truthful of a guy. I just can't. I could walk away, but I can't do it. I'm a witness of how you raised your son in our I watched him through the little church classroom and then the next classroom and then the youth group. And you're the one that exempted your son from church services and youth group because there was soccer. And there was kickball and foosball and softball and slow pitch softball and fast pitch softball and baseball and basketball yep. and hockey. And, I'm, I, and it's amazing to me that you exempted from time to time your son from attending church and skipping out because of the whole sports scene, which God's not against the sports scene that I can find any worse for. So I said, but my problem is you're you're my problem is you're not taking credit, Dad, for your problem. Your problem is your son is following the path you taught him, but you don't endorse anymore his reasons for skipping church. But you're the one that taught him it was okay. That church is important and church is right unless there's something else going on yep. that we just must do. It's just a must. And you taught him that. Now, if I was you, Dad, I'd go home and wash his feet with water. And I'd anoint him and I'd ask for repentance. I'd repent. And I'd ask for forgiveness. And you might be able to save your son and get God back first in his life. But as your pastor, I just want the record clear. That on Judgment Day, if he doesn't make heaven, or he makes heaven, but he lives like in hell, you know, the demons chasing him, and, and, he, and he turns out to be so drunk or something, uh, I'm going to be a, a pure witness. There's going to be no lion here, and there is certainly no lion on Judgment Day in heaven. And I'm going to tell the Lord, you trained your son to put God first unless something else yeah. has become more important. Yeah. Now, you can save your son. But you can't do it by pointing your long finger at him or going and judging him or, uh, or, or anything like that because he's doing what you trained him to do. Yep. Well, that guy, his mouth fell open <laughs> bigger than what some of yours are right now in the sanctuary. <laughs> I see some of you looking at Pastor Mike so consoled. Thank God, Bang's pastor, not Barclay. <laughs> <laughs> He's a straight shooter. Amen. We just love you. We're not picking on when we do stuff. I'm not picking on that guy. But I want him to win his son back. See, he did all that thinking it was okay. He didn't realize how that planted that seed in that boy. It's the Lord who makes us 
who disciplines us to come in green pastures to feed like you're doing right now. And ladies and gentlemen, you got to eat the whole lamb. That's right. If you want the spirit of death to pass over your house, God, it, it wasn't Moses, it was God. It was God who said, kill an unblemished lamb and take the blood and paint the cross or the blood on the doorpost and go inside and eat the whole lamb. There's part of that lamb that is your favorite, honey. Uh, you know, wow, lamb chops and all. Go on, get going. But there's part of that lamb that's like disgusting. But God said you eat the whole lamb. And in Christianity, you and I, we know we're not, we're not the Lord. We're the children of the Father. You can't take the parts of Jesus Christ that you want. I can't forgive when I want to and not when I don't want to. Walk in love when you're lovey-dovey and not walk in love when you're thorny and thistle. You know? Now, i got to forgive you when I really want to just punch you in the forehead. <laughs> but I'm not allowed to be a striker if I want to keep the spirit of death from killing my marriage, killing my health, killing my money, because the devil's for real. Can I have a better amen? amen? Now let's keep reading. We're almost to lunchtime, so rejoice. Your torture this morning is almost over. Hallelujah. Now, verse 3 is so powerful. This is what I want to leave you with. Verse 3. He restoreth my soul. What's he restore? My soul. Tell me out loud. What's he restore? My soul. Let me ask you a question. What's in your soul? My soul. Your mind. Which, which could be your memory as well, right? Okay. What else? Your willpower, or what theologians call volition, that, that will that causes you to make decisions and then follow after the same. So your soul possesses your volition, and, and, and it possesses your mind, which is your recollection, your memory, you know, what you can let go and what you hang on to, whether it's good or evil, what was trained in you, what was imparted to you. It's your, it's your library. It's your hard drive, we'll call it. For you modernists. Uh, what else is in your soul? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, not good. There's nothing wrong with being emotional when you're being touched by God or by the person that loves you or your little babies. But my little babies, you know, when they were first born, you know, I even as tough as I am, I don't, I don't mean to be tough. I just am not an emotional guy. But that made me emotional, holding that little baby. You kidding me? Yeah. And so there's nothing wrong with having feelings. But if God's going to restore our soul, then he's going to restore broken emotions. Yes. No one's better at dealing with us and a broken heart than Jesus Christ, who's the champion yeah. at healing broken yes. hearts. Yes. Amen? Amen? So your, your flavors are in here. Your choices. Your desires, the way you like it, hot or cold. That's right. Mike, don't ever do this. You'll be very sorry. <laughs> but I was dumb enough to do it once. Just once. I put a survey out to our church. And I was a younger pastor, you know. This was like, you know, 25, 30 years ago. I thought, well, I'm just going to see how good we're doing. I put a survey out to the church. And it was just, you know, is this your church? Who's, if this is your church, who's your pastor? Yeah, and, and do you pay your tithe or bring it in? If so, where do you pay your tithe? I was shocked at how 
I was people's pastor, but this wasn't their church. Or this was their church and I wasn't their pastor, but there's only one pastor. Or I, I'm a tithe, but I tithe, but not here. Or something. I just, wow. And so there, there probably was like our church then maybe had a couple hundred people in. And, I, uh, and so I wrote down, and then at the very bottom, now that was okay. I didn't learn anything by it because it's always a 50-50 split, you know. You got, you know, carnal people, spiritual people, and half-baked, you know, in between yeah. people. So you get, spirit, you get carnal answers, spiritual answers, and half-baked answers. Yeah. But at the bottom, at the bottom, I was dumb enough to say, would you list one thing here that hinders your walk with God? One thing about our church. So we went through all of and I went up on the following Sunday, and I said, I'm going to read your report to you. <laughs> and when I'm done, uh, I'm going to give you my resignation. If there's anybody that would like to pastor this group of schizo, goofed yeah. <laughs> up people, I will relinquish my authority in this house. And so it was something like, this is what they wrote. It's too hot in here. <laughs> next person, it's way too cold in this <laughs> The next person, the sound is too loud. The next person, I can't hear hardly a thing on this track. You know, the worship goes too long. The worship goes too short. You know, it's like, wow. And literally, when we made that list, it was like a 50-50 split. And so that's why I told, so when I was all done, one lady in the church it was kind of like an informal Sunday morning, you know. So one lady in the church stood up. She said, Pastor, we'll double your pay if you stay. <laughs> I said, that's a deal. I said, amen. I guess no one wants my job, right? Praise the Lord. We're not here, are we, to please each other. Amen. You're here to honor God yes. and to esteem your pastors highly amen. in love and help each other raise our babies to worship our God and to get fixed. And to come back to make sure you stay fixed. That's right. And when you do break something, bring it to the altar and say, Lord, I broke this. Don't hide it. Right. Don't be Adam and Eve. You know, they're so goofed up. They got so goofed up, you know. They, they didn't know they were to cover themselves, you know, because there was no uh, sin in it. But Adam thought he could cover himself and Eve with a, with a tree leaf, a fig leaf, some kind of leaf. God said, Adam, it takes blood to cover your sin. Not some dumb leaf. That's how dumb you get when you think you're a God and you call your own shots. The most miserable Christians are the ones who call Jesus Lord, but they still call their own shots. Come when they want to. Go when they want to. Do what they want to. Some Christians are so high and mighty in their godship to themselves, that they even pick and choose who they'll forgive and who they won't. Or I'll forgive, but not until that person says they're sorry. But the problem with this, honey, is you're not God, neither am I. And God told us how we can walk and have him restore our soul. Now I'm going to read my list to you, then I'm praying over you. Okay? Here's my list. I just read Psalm 23, 3. The Lord will restore your soul. That means your feelings, your emotions. Because you really can get in this life. Things really can mess with you. And it can cut deep. 
you know, different forms of betrayal and desertion, it can cut deeper than what some people even realize. Number two, in Psalm 51, 12, it says, He'll restore the joy of my salvation. Now, if He's going to restore the joy of my salvation, then there must have something happened to the joy of my salvation that it needs to be restored back to its original condition when I first got saved. Three, 2 Corinthians 13, 9, He'll restore your strength. Now, if my strength needs to be restored, there must be something going on in our life that steals our energy and steals our strength and our, and our self-motivation to plow forward. Number four is found in Galatians 6, 1, God will even restore to us sinning brethren or runaway children. Say, God is the God of restoration. Amen. Amen. And then number five, is found in Amos 9.14. And I'm going to read this to you out of the modern version. But write down, God will restore our fortunes. It goes like this. I will restore the fortunes of my people, Israel, and they shall build the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. God even cares about the money and the treasure that you and I have lost, or the inheritance that was rightfully yours, that maybe never did come to you. My God wants to restore these things. Now, imagine the Lord saying, or the man asked God, but the Lord saying, I'll restore the joy of my salvation in your life. There must be some things messing with that joy. Do you remember when you were a baby Christian? How many of you remember how you got saved? Do you remember what it was like right after you got saved? You didn't have a problem with people in church and pastor and how long the sermon was. And they didn't sing your favorite song. And I didn't get my own way. And I was always shocked at how short pastor preached. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I'd hear people that went to church a long time saying, my God, he went long today. And I thought, wow, he just got started. I'm so dumb. I need version two. I can't wait till next Sunday. I used to ask our pastor, can I come by your house? I can't wait till Wednesday night, you know, word night. Bible, I can't wait. I, gotta, I need this right now. And that joy of your salvation, don't you understand? It erases all this petty, fleshy, surface level disagreement stuff all these little hurt feelings because there's something about knowing Him and being born again and having those sins washed away and being put on the road of recovery ha! to restore unto me the joy of my salvation and to restore my soul that's been damaged by stuff and things and people. Lord, I pray now over this congregation. They are pastors so well. I, I'm one of those, Lord. I'm a witness. And I want to thank you today that Mike and Vicki Bang never gave up on this church in, the, in its roughest day, which I've been here for some of those days. In its roughest season, they still stood. And sometimes they had to come out here and though they didn't feel like it, they had to go through the motion in order to help your people. You have blessed them here. 
You have blessed them in this region. This church has become famous. We know you love it because we know the devil hates it. But we thank you. May this congregation more and more and more walk in extra love yes. and esteem them so highly for their work's sake so this church can maintain to be at peace among themselves. I speak peace into this church family. I speak peace into this ministry team. And I speak peace into your family, my friend. Regardless if you're a single parent, if you're both parenting, if your kids are grown, kids are little, kids are teenagers, I speak peace. May they'll always be in esteem for dad and for mom. And that we all may live in peace among ourselves. Now, Lord, it doesn't take much discernment, my master, to know that among this many humans, there are people who have hurt feelings. They feel inferior or insecure or rejected or someone's done them wrong or they've been trespassed against. I pray right now that you would restore our soul. Whatever dent, whatever dent, whatever dent. But if someone ran into our front fender of our car, it puts a big crease or a dent. Someone bumps into our soul and it goes too deep. It causes that weird dent, that little depression. And only you, my master, the great healer, can pop that thing out. And I pray right now that every indifference, every difference, every hurt soul, every deep hurt feeling, that, that, will, that the healing balm of Gilead, just rub it on us, rub it on our soul, rub it on our soul. We receive your help today. Just rub that on us in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that we can live in this joy and we can live in this peace. Everybody say amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.